We're going to be talking a lot about renters this week. There's a report out by the Tenants Union about who is taking whom to the tribunal, NCAT. Right. And the Greens have announced that they want the laws changed to something like they have in Victoria, where you cannot have a no-fault eviction. Yeah, look, that's that's long overdue, I think, really. And we'll also be talking about a big anniversary this year, 20 years of the Owners' Corporation Network. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the flat check column for the Australian Financial Review. And I'm Sue Williams, and I write about property for Domain. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Okay, we'll look at the Tenants Union, New South Wales, their survey into who is taking who to a tribunal and why. And uh, there's some quite surprising figures in there. Social housing landlords are three times more likely to take their tenants to the tribunal than uh, ordinary landlords, like really? commercial landlords. Why is that? Well, it seems to be that the reason that they take them is because of non-payment of rent, mm. which is the most common reason for anybody to be taken to the tribunal. Sure. And I guess it's become more common these days because rents have gone up so hugely. And also, um, we've had COVID and lots of people lost their living. So, yeah. 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 Um, but the interesting thing, but you think, well, the social housing people are, and that's affordable housing and housing uh, associations and that community associations and things like that, you think, well, they'd be the last to take their tenants to the tribunal. But it turns out that even though they do take the tenants to tribunal, it's not to get them evicted. It's to basically force them to sit down and talk about a payment plan. Mm, So it's kind of like... Kind of a mediation, really. Well, yeah, I guess in a way. I think it's it's signalling to them, look, this is serious. Mm. You can't keep not paying rent and expecting us to live with that because there are other people who need this housing who will pay the rent. So the other uh, aspect of this is that uh, landlords are more likely to take tenants to the tribunal than the other way around. Really? That's surprising. I would have thought there'd be a lot of tenants taking their landlords to the tribunal. Maybe, you know, lots of roofs leaking during all the rains, lots Mm. of mould, landlords refusing to fix it up, landlords charging them more, you know, huge um, raises in rent. Yep. So I would have thought it would be the other way around. So why is it? Why is that? I don't know. I mean, the the thing is, the reason that tenants do take their landlords to a tribunal tends to be over things like bonds, the non-repayment of bonds at the end mm. of a tenancy. Yeah. Or occasionally it's because of rent rises that they think are excessive. Yeah. There's a bit of a mythology around the whole thing about, is there a limit on rent rises? Uh, and we were talking to people the other day and they were saying, oh, it's it can only be 10%, you know, which is not true, actually. The limit is whether the tribunal thinks it's fair or not. So your landlord could come to you and say, we're putting your rent up by 12%. And the tribunal can go, well, let's look at any work that the landlord has done on the apartment or the the house. Um, Have they put in new fittings? Have they improved the standard? And what are the other rents in that area? Mm. What is the... What is something comparable? Yeah. Mm. What's the benchmark for that area? And if that new rent isn't excessive, then yeah, the the tribunal will, will probably say, yeah, it's fair. 
Mm. So all, all these ideas that there's a limit to the amount that a rent can go up. It's just not true. Yeah. Is it is it true in other states? In other states, can you only put the rent up by, say, a maximum of 10%? I don't know. I, I think, I mean, most of them go by the, the basis of whether it's fair or not. Sure. I mean, if you've got a tenant who's been sitting on a low rent for two or three years and you go to them and say, look, we're going to put this up to a fair rent because, you know, we are paying a mortgage or whatever. I think most places they'd say, well, even though it's quite a large amount, it is a fair rent that they're being Mm. asked to pay. But there are limits on how often these rent rises can be applied. I mean, if it's a fixed term contract, it can't change the rent within that In the middle, unless it's actually written into the contract that, rents will go up according to CPI or something like that. Yeah, because friends of ours have just um, rented out a unit that they have as an investment and uh, they've let it out on a two-year contract, but the people actually wanted a five-year contract because they felt that that would limit any rent increases that would happen later on. It's quite hard to work out what's going to happen five years hence, really. Yeah, I I think, I mean, you could, a more reasonable thing would be to uh, attach the rent increases to uh, mortgage rates, interest rates. Mm. So if you're paying more as as the owner, as a landlord, then you might want to pass some of that extra cost onto the tenant. Maybe half of it. That would be (laughs) fair, wouldn't it? The thing about contracts is that both parties have to sign. It's something that people agree to. I think, you know, the idea that you would lock the landlord into a five-year contract is just, that was never going to fly, really. Yeah. And it's difficult at the moment, I think, because a lot of people managed to get lower rents during COVID, and now COVID is kind of over, hopefully. Mm. Rents are uh, surging again. And, uh, you know, landlords don't feel too much compunction about putting up rents to a more realistic level. But then again, there is such a shortage of rental stock and renters are so desperate to find places, especially with overseas students coming in now and overseas migrants about to come in as well. It's a really difficult time. Rents are going up massively. Yeah. um, I mean, and that's one of the reasons that the Greens want to bring in the no-fault or the end of the no-fault eviction. And as I said before, Victoria already has this. I just want to say something here about the mythology and the misinformation about tenancies and rentals. The best source of information for how rents are controlled and or not controlled and all about evictions and how they can be done. The tenants union in all the states where they exist and certainly in New South Wales and Victoria. And Queensland too. They have terrific websites. So they have fantastic fact sheets. And if you are a landlord and you're worried about what you can do and what you can't do and what your tenants can do and what what they can't do, it's the best place to get that information because then you know exactly what information your tenants are getting as well. So you're you're working off, you're on the same page, literally. Mm. Mm. If you just Google tenants in your state, it will take you to your state's tenants union website. So this uh, idea of the ending of no-fault evictions, it's been in Victoria for over a year now. And it's quite interesting when you look at their website and you think, well, how does that work? So basically, there are certain reasons that landlords can give to terminate a rental agreement. And apart from emergency, like the house is uninhabitable, which I'm sure is with all the floods Mm. happening, 
there'll be a few of those around. It'll be things like they want to move in themselves or they want to renovate, that kind of thing. Yeah, the family member wants to move in or they want to turn it into a business. I wonder if that applies to Airbnb and things like mm. that. That's one of the reasons. And the other one is, you know, that they want to do major renovations and it would be unsuitable for somebody still to be there. Interestingly, you would think, well, some unscrupulous landlords might go, oh, we're going to renovate or my cousin's coming from Canada or whatever. So you have to move out. And then you find out that this hasn't actually happened. Mm. They're not allowed. If the landlord wants to terminate the agreement, they have to go to the tribunal in Victoria and get permission from the tribunal to terminate. Mm. Now, if they go to the tribunal and say, oh, we're terminating the, the tenancy because we've got a cousin coming from Canada or whatever, one of the valid reasons... And then that doesn't happen. They are not allowed to re-let that property for six months. <laughs> really? Without the permission of the tribunal. Wow. You know, you get kicked out of yeah. your, your rental property mm. and then you notice that there's somebody else in there, somebody, somebody that you know or, you know, that there's no renovation work going on or whatever. You can go back to the tribunal and say, look, they told you they were going to do this and they haven't done it. And the tribunal can say, okay, that's it, cancel the, the rental for the next six months. Gosh, that's a powerful incentive. I don't know, and more likely it would, yeah, more likely the tribunal would do it if you saw the property being listed for rent. Mm. Like before somebody's moved in, they mm. would say, no, you've got to stop this. Yeah. And then the landlord has to go back and plead their case to the tribunal or they wouldn't be allowed to put it on uh, up for rental for six months. Mm. That's great to be able to give tenants, you know, a more definite idea of how long they can stay in a rental, isn't it? You know, the difficulty is the stability is, is a huge problem and it's a huge cause of anxiety for tenants. Mm. You know, if there is a proper eviction clause and proper eviction laws, then that would be a great thing. Yeah, so we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the kind of scenario that tenants can get into where they're being given a rent rise or they are being told that they've, they've got to get out or the barriers that there are for tenants trying to just get a fair deal. That's after this. And we're back. Now, one of the reasons that uh, the Greens want to get rid of the, the no-fault eviction is because landlords use that as a way of putting up rent. Mm. But then if there are no limits on how much you can put up rent anyway... Well, there are. You can't make it excessive. So you, you so if, have, you, if you evicted somebody, then you could actually put up the rent excessively because yeah. you're not going to get any objections and hopefully you'll get people... Yeah, you kick them out. Your- if they are on a periodic tenancy, which is the one where... People have been there on a tenancy agreement and they've kept, they've stayed on. So it's rolled over. It's rolled over. Uh, it's a periodic agreement. You've got to give them 90 days notice. Mm. And even on a, a tenancy which is under contract, you've got to give them 30 days notice that you're going to end the tenancy mm. at the end of the contract, at yeah. the end of the lease. Yeah. But people will use that 90-day notice to go, right, all the rents around here are going up. If I put my rents up to the, the amounts that are happening here, which are outrageous, then I'll probably get some objection. 
to the mm. easiest thing to do. And, and quite often what will happen is the landlord will, uh, or their agent more, more often will go to the tenant and say, we're going to be putting the rent up by X amount. Do you want to sign a lease for that now? Mm. And if the tenant says, no, I can't afford that, then they get the notice. So this all happens like three months before they're expected to move out. Now, obviously, the Greens are saying this puts people under a lot of pressure. Mm. But there's a different kind of pressure. There's a thing in... New South Wales called retaliatory eviction. And that would be if people complain about a place yeah, and uh, the landlord would just kick them out as a result, wouldn't yeah. it be? Mm. Yeah, and they can, they can go to the tribunal and say, look, here are our letters complaining about the state of the place and then suddenly we get this eviction notice. Mm. Can you overrule that? Yeah. And we know of people who are living in a house which has got damp and mould and terrible problems in the rain. And the agent has come round and, you know, basically said, oh, we'll repaint that wall, which obviously isn't going no. to be enough. But the people involved, they've got more pets than they, re- they were given permission for. Okay. And it will be really hard for them to relocate easily, I think. Absolutely. So they're kind of trapped in lots of ways. Yes. Mm. So this is where they're not going to go to the tribunal and they're not going to kick up a fuss. Mm. They are basically stuck there. And that's why the no-fault eviction really would help them to, to have the confidence to say to that landlord, look, we need you to come and fix the roof, stop the leak, get rid Clear of the mould. the mould, yeah. Yeah. For most people and most landlords, it's not an issue because they're not in the business of screwing people over. No. But you will get some landlords and some agents who are just basically looking at what can we maximise. And unfortunately, those people often have a lot of properties. You know, the people who just have maybe one or two or three rental properties are the ones that are most likely to be, I mean, it's a terrible generalisation really, but they're the ones most likely to be um, reasonable because they might know their tenants a bit better or yeah. kind of take an interest in their tenants. Whereas people who have got maybe 40 or 50 rental places, you know, they're not particularly interested. They're just in it for the money they can make. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where the rental agents become absolutely critical. In, yeah. And if you've thing. got a good rental agent, I think they can make a huge difference. I was talking to one and she really works hard to mediate between her tenants and landlords when they're having problems and, and to work it out. And she's saying, look, some of these tenants are great tenants and you don't want to lose them. You want to keep these tenants because who knows how, how long your place may stay vacant if you lose these people. Mm. So a really good agent is is a real bonus and a bad agent is always a drag on everybody really. Yeah. Yeah, we used to, when we had our investment property, I remember going to the agent and saying, you know, the people who were had rented were moving out and going to the agent and saying, um, okay, we want to rent this and we want to rent it at this amount. And the agent came back and said, oh, I've got a fantastic tenant for you, but it's going to be like 10% less than you asked for. In fact, it was more than that. It was 15% less than you asked for. Mm. And our calculations were based on our mortgages. You know, we weren't looking to rip anybody off. But it, I realized this agent, while he's telling us he'd got this fantastic uh, tenant, he was telling the tenant he'd got a fantastic deal for them. Mm. And he was sort of feathering his own nest to to a certain extent because the amount that they were making in commission wouldn't be that much. Mm. Yeah. And uh, I thought, yeah, these these people are, they can be a bit dodgy. Yeah, of course. I mean, 
I guess all of us have rented at one time or other, and we've all had bad landlords and bad agent experiences, as well as good ones. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were renting once and we complained about the carpet. The carpet was really ancient. It was really filthy, and we just couldn't clean it anymore. It was just falling apart. And we suggested to the agent that maybe the landlord might consider replacing the carpet. And the agent came round and started, you know, with a workman in tow and rolled out this horrendous carpet. Do you remember that? It oh, was, yeah. It was just like, yeah. um, it was kind of like, we kept getting, um, electric shocks off it all the oh, time. Yeah, it was yeah, nylon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, as he was putting it down, we were saying, we can't live with this. It's just, um, you know, you, this is awful. It's just so cheap and horrible. And it's really painful, these electric shocks we're getting. And uh, he said, oh, no, no, no. I've advised the landlord that this is good enough for the tenant. And I think it was at that point that we decided we'd buy somewhere. But lots of people don't have that option. That's true. It was a luxury. That's true. Although with rents going up so much, you know, sometimes mortgages, you're paying less on a mortgage with prices softening than you are on a rent now. But I remember that same agent, we went to sign to renew our lease and we were five minutes late because we'd got held up and we go in and the guys are just ignoring us ignoring us ignoring us and then this woman who worked in his office he said oh you should go for lunch and she said don't you need me to witness the rental agreement he said just go for lunch and then when she'd gone out he said i'm sorry you're too late you can't sign Mm, the agreement yeah and i think i kind of went a bit nuts yeah i think he had a friend he wanted to move in yeah something like that yeah and nice. and then the manager of the business came out and said, what's the problem here? And I told him, and he said, well, look, I'll witness it. Mm, yeah. That and was that was effect. another deciding <laughs> factor in us thinking, starting to think about buying. Mm. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a big anniversary this week. The Owners' Corporation Network is 20 years old. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that after this. And we're back now. Contrary to popular opinion, I am not and never have been a member of the Owners' Corporation Network, but I'm sitting opposite somebody who was one of the founders. (laughs) Yes, um, it's hard to believe it's 20 years ago. Yeah. But um, I guess like many other people, we were having huge problems in our apartment building with defects and kind of corrupt building management, all that kind of stuff. And um, it culminated one day where the developer stopped the, our chairperson, I was the secretary, and said, you know, I think you guys had better shut up about these defects because people have ended up on the bottom of the harbour for less. And at that point, we decided we needed some help kind of in this battle. We didn't really quite know what we were doing. It was a mm. new apartment building. And um, so we... We called around lots of different other buildings, which were similar ages, because at that point, 20 years ago, there were lots of new buildings being sold off the plan for the first time. And we invited the chairs of those buildings to a meeting, and we got together, and there was probably about 10 of us at that first meeting. And we all started talking about the issues we had with our buildings, and they were all exactly the same, and we were just stunned to discover that we were fighting the same battles, Mm. but all you know, without any knowledge of what we were doing and any knowledge of this this being a persistent problem within the development industry. And so from those early beginnings, um, the Owners Corporation Network was formed. And it's funny because we think about it now, we've got David Chandler stomping around, kicking backsides everywhere. Like back then, fair trading was useless. 
Mm. Absolutely useless. Well, they weren't really interested in apartment owners. They kind of considered that we were, you know, very marginal, really. Yeah. And uh, they were of no hope, no help whatsoever. And when you've got developers and their legal teams and their expertise against new owners who don't really quite know what they're doing, it's a real David and Goliath match. Absolutely. And so actually all getting together was fantastic because we all kind of supported each other. We spread um, information between each other. We we worked out our issues and worked mm. out strategies, how we could kind of overcome the, the hurdles. And um, it became a great source of comfort and strength for for apartment owners. Yeah. And it's only it's only continued to grow ever since then. Well, now they are they have a seat at the table, as they say. Oh, absolutely. And the 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 fair trading minister always has uh, an eye on uh, what the owners' corporation network, the OCN, might think of things. But you've just reminded me that back in the day. Um, I remember there was one fair trading minister because that was when flat chats got going. Mm. And I think it was still the Labour government then. And uh, one fair trading minister, she lived in an apartment block in Randwick, mm-hmm. but what, that wasn't her constituency. And her building had terrible problem with uh, University of New South Wales putting students into flats in the building who were just can you imagine? You know, it was like a frat house half the time. But the people who lived in the building, even though the fair trading minister also lived in that building, they couldn't do anything because she was begging them not to, to make too much fuss because <laughs> then she would be exposed for not living where she said she oh, lived. Gosh. And then, and then later on, there was another fair trading minister who was appointed and her forte in the Labour Party was getting donations from developers. Mm. Linda Burney was the last Labour fair trading minister who was really good, but then mm. she was gone, you know. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? There's such a huge turnover of fair trading ministers. As soon as they get any expertise, <laughs> they're off onto yeah. a, another portfolio. But um, the OCN has been incredibly successful in getting laws changed and the celebration of the 20th anniversary is on this Wednesday. Yeah. And David Chandler is the guest speaker. Yeah. And um, we've got a few other speakers as well. And I yep. think you're emceeing the I'm the host. Aren't you? I'm mm. hosting the, the thing. Mm. So yeah. it's, it's, uh, it will be fun, yeah. if nothing else. And we'll tell you all about it on our podcast next week. Thanks, Sue, again. And uh, thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Flat Chat Wrap podcast. You'll find links to the stories and other references on our website, flatchat.com.au. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast completely free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher. Just search for Flat Chat Wrap with a W, click on subscribe, and you'll get this podcast every week without even trying. Thanks again. Talk to you again next week.